Who's a PhD candidate at the um, Work Business School here? And it's really good to be a bit more interdisciplinary and not only have politics people here, but actually mix it a bit more because I think we can learn a lot from each other. Um, and the talk today will be about big data credit scoring, risk management, Chinese social media, social credit programs. Um, yeah, and I'm really interested um, in the talk. And um, yeah. You just talk as long as you want, and then at the end we'll have a <laughs> discussion, Q&A, and yeah. Um, this was thank you. So, thank uh, hi everybody. How are you doing today? <laughs> Good. Awesome. So, my name is Rowan. So, I'm based in WBS. So you, you have time, maybe we can catch up for coffee. Uh, thank you so much again for Johannes to invite me, and thank you so much all for choosing to spend this one hour with me. <laughs> I hope I won't disappoint you. Okay, so I actually, so today I'm going to talk about my research, and uh, I have this paper about big data credit scoring, risk management uh, in Chinese social credit programs. Okay, maybe you are fascinated by the social credit program, but I'm. You, you can like that's why you're here maybe okay so I would like to actually start my presentation by inviting you to think about this question do you know how you will be evaluated when they run a credit check on you what data will be used like now we are living in this modern day anxiety that like we are, our data is being collected like and they're running some like a bad end analytic but we have no clue like how they they're using our data what kind of data they are collecting right so is it a black box I mean nowadays they, they, type, they tend to use a lot of like um, machine learning uh, very complicated machine learning algorithms and then it starts to become so complex that nobody can understand and even I mean the process of how they do this kind of like work remains also a big black box because it's very little that we know for example when the, the Cambridge Analytica comes out we don't know actually how they put together the, the, the prediction and what kind of things that they, they run correlation with so we have no, so little information about this okay so uh, three years ago when I started my PhD I thought I'm going to study credit in China because uh, for a very long time China has a very high deposit rate and well in our, when things shift to our generation like my generation we kind of like see credit and debt in a different light because we are we are getting cost uh, like accustomed to like material goods so much and we kind of like spend more and rely on kind of a like shift to credit and all the government also try to shift the economic towards like uh, like uh, dependent on export and while now relying heavily on credit consumption okay so and then I come across this, come across this saying that uh, the, the government is trying to build a social credit system that to cover the whole society and what does it mean so it means actually this system it's, it actually says that this is a fact like a public circulation document saying that in, in issued in 2003 14, saying that the social credit system is an important component 
part of the socialist market economy system and the social governance system. So, and then it has like it's supported by the lawful application of covering credit records by members of society and credit infrastructure. And also, uh, I mean, the purpose of it is just to like encourage the good behavior while really set constraint to people who are lack of like integrity. The reason why they're doing this because in 2015, while with the the the, the, the uh, acceleration of the credit booming, there's a lot of actually def, uh, fraudulent behavior happening in 2015. That's, um, for example, like a lot of like uh, borrowers at P2P lending platforms they run away from the liabilities, and then there's a lot of like, fraudulent issue going on. Like that, it's impacting heavily on the financial system, and that's why they they really began to think, okay, now we need a really good risk management system to try to behave our customers a little bit or, okay? And then that's what they tried to build, like a social credit system, but the best media was like so excited about this idea, thinking, oh my God, it's gonna be a utopian uh, system that it's really gonna for example, they, if you have uh, a bad friend who has a very low credit score, perhaps your credit score will be low because they pile all together, to get all the data together. Or maybe, for example, what you post on social media that you say something bad about the government could be impacted your, could be used to measure your credit score. But I will tell you, okay, this is whether this is real. Uh, if you watch the the Black Mirror series. If this is not happening at the moment, okay? Don't be so scared. <laughs> so, um, so I actually got asked this question when I was presenting in the conference. They said, okay, so is that everybody can rate each other? I was like, no, this is not happening, okay? So how they're doing it is like this, okay? So the government has actually, so the central bank, they also doing like a, a, a financial credit credit scoring bureau that's will be familiar with the traditional credit system, and then try while to do that, the the, the the central bank at that moment selected the eight companies to try to run the pilot project to develop this credit model to see how they can do this. Okay, so to test the, the technology, and when in the uh, so in 2016 they selected the eight company, which included the two high tech companies in China as well. Okay, and then there is another part it's, uh, to do it on the societal level, in the provinces and cities. They try to run this um, kind of like small scale, like really has social credit scoring to put it, like to actually give you citizen scores. So it's actually two systems that we are talking about. While here, me, I'm focusing on the financial bit, okay, the, how the A company is trying to run the, the, uh, the credit model. Okay, so my motivation. So I, I begin to notice that this is really happening everywhere, not, in, not only a case in China. So we already become so in, exposed to the invasive use of analytical technology and algorithms. So we, so we see everywhere for tailoring marketing campaigns, providing daily services, self-tracking programs, risk market management, price mechanism, credit scoring and other economic scenarios. So basically, big data everywhere, and then they try to do something with it, okay, analytical. And then Zuboff says that with the accumulation of big data and ap application of analytical technology, 
modern day surveillance has developed a new form, exactly the, the kind of anxiety we have, like I mentioned in the beginning. And literature has also touched upon like, the, 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 the concern about the far-reaching impacts such as like, violation of consumer privacy, concerning corporate uh, responsibility, the capability, and the scope of big data and the algorithms. While, and also, a lot of sociology literature has, has, has already studied the transition over, of power towards digital technology while it turns into control over workers and consumers. Okay, and there's a lot of concern about the black box algorithms. Not it's not just what I say here. It's a black box algorithms uh, because it's difficult to measure, and also no, nobody can really figure out what's going on. And then the obfuscation of much modern day uh, software in the context of management practices. Because this this is basically a term that if you're a programmer, you really have something that you unique in your code, so other people cannot copy you. Okay, so everything like, gets more, even more complicated. Okay, so then with this question, so we already know like digitization and beta is really happening, and then it become makes everybody so easy to track. And then you become to think: is that really a boundary of how they collect the data and what? kind of data they're actually using and whether and it, because the uncertainty of this gives us so much anxiety right so that's why and then it, there's no nobody ever talk about the boundary of the data collection and data usage remains in obscure and indistinctive and of course it should be a boundary because someone is doing the work there's some available data that they are using okay and then we know as we know that like they're trying the, the organizations they're trying to put together the data scientist team to try to productize this kind of information. And so they try to actually and organizations understand consumers through the creation of a digital depiction of consumers' abstract forms of 4K and Healy and of behavioral like classifications. Okay, we know they're already doing these things, they're putting text to everybody. But then this kind of new kind of work as big data modeling has not yet been studied empirically. It's as, as I, I mentioned, the black box. How, what's the, the process of developing it has not yet been empirically studied. So which means the constituent process of how the algorithms are constructed with far-reaching impact remain unwell. Okay. And then, here comes my research question. So I really want to know like, how this big data system is being framed in and constructed in the organization level to govern and understand consumers, and especially in this context of Chinese social credit system that is trying to like, expect it to like, score the whole, nation, uh, uh, the whole country, right? All the nationals. But then if you put it on the organization level, this organization that should deliver this technology, right? And then how it's actually being framed and constructed. So and then and do the organization factors have a direct impact on the algorithms? So I think all I think by answering these questions, they can also um, have a clue to understand how, for example, 
Facebook, Google, all these like big high tech companies, they what are they trying to do and how they use this data and also we are being like constantly being evaluated by this kind of like analytical. So and then we can actually know who is being held accountable in this. And most of the time it's not the knowledge, the technology can't be accountable for people. It's the people behind the technology that need to be held accountable. That's why this, I think this question is kind of like meaningful to answer. Okay, so how I do my research. So first of all, after learning about the, 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 the system, so I need more data to understand okay, what is actually going on. So what is the government, uh, the political rationale, what rationale and how is this, this, the, uh, this technology is working. So with this, uh, so first of all, I, I do I compile a lot of like archival documents to try to actually have like a, a preliminary understanding first, and then I did a lot of uh, like uh, thirty or forty semi-structured interviews with um, uh, the product managers who say that okay, this is how we do things, how, this is how we design the product technology to actually see, okay, what is actually going on, what is interesting to study, it's kind of like pilot study. And then, with that kind of information, I kind of see, okay, I need to, I started, because I need to be inside the organization to actually <coughs> see and become one of them, to, to think in that sense of what can be, what can be put, why these kind of things should be held accountable as a technology to score the whole generation, the whole population. So I selected the uh, internet giant, which in your terms is a high-tech company in China, that holds a large amount of daily social proprietary data regarding Chinese citizens. Okay, so you can, you can sit here actually. Yeah, so I'm talking about my size selection. So after the after the doing uh, the interviews, and then I, I kind of think because at that time, like, it, because we think that the reason why this kind of technology is really scary because the more data they have, the more kind of like social aspect will come into that model. So in that time, that's why I, I chose to, to see whether I can get into to get to study these two big uh, tech companies in China that holds like large amount of social proprietary data that could be social network data, okay, and also consumption data, what do they buy? And what do they invest in? Because they also connected to the investment product. Okay, and also who these friends with, how do they interact with friends? So we we would think that these kind of like high tech company, they it's just like Facebook, right? they have this kind of proprietary data, okay? So I was actually in the team, the, mod, the credit modeling team for three months. So by that, it's basically working with them, eating with them, like a, a happy hour with them, basically, <laughs> doing, doing for three months. Okay. Okay. So for a team like that, that put together a technology that's kind of like want to score the whole national Chinese people, we say. Okay. So. Would you imagine like how big is the team if like they put together such a technology just keeps running like for to 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 just generate scores to to rate whole citizen how how big the team would you think that could be? Ten 
pen. Why is that? <laughs> Do you think pen is relatively big or small? Small. Small, yeah. So, so actually, I mean, they, so it's a subsection in that tech company. They, I mean, if the, the, I mean, the whole company that actually do this kind of business is like 100 something people, but that's including the business side of people. But actually the modeling people who are responsible for this model, it's 10 people, okay? So <laughs> if you're right, it's a good guess. So the team actually uh, separated into two subsessions. Uh, one, subset, so one subgroup is actually uh, responsible to the basic modeling. Just basic model, that general scorecard model that's going to give you each, each citizen a, a, a number, for example. Okay, ranging from uh, 300 to 900, I think it's pretty the same to FICO score. Okay, and then the other team is to support um, uh, the whole financial corporates. I mean, the, to support the, the high tech company because they still have some like. Like for example, credit product that relating to using that that, that kind of credit scoring uh, product. Okay, so so this company that is supposed to like responsible to put together the social credit modeling, it's actually under the financial side of that big tech group. So it's under the pla uh, the payment platform. Okay, so that's the basic structure of what you expect there. Okay, now we think about these people. It's ten people. What do you think? Like, are they? Would you like guys or girls? What do you think? Like, what's the general image of these people? Guys, just like those guys in WBS. There's an IT support service there. Okay, so you think they're like IT guys? Yeah. 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 Okay. So, like, how about like age-wise? Thirty-five. Thirty-five. Why is that? Twenty-five. Okay, so like fresh grads. You think like a like a three years more like experienced? Okay, so yeah, so basically they're IT guys. Yes, you're right. But they mostly most of them they have they uh, hold a, um, like master's degree in statistics or in uh, physics. Okay, so it's quantitative people. Okay, so, we call them. so they are mostly like my age. Okay, fresh grad and most. Yeah, they they don't have much experience about the, for example, the credit product, for say. But they 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 are more statisticians to understand statistic. Okay, so they also do programming as well. Okay, so now I'm going to talk about how they do their work and what it's actually big data work. So first of all, I would say it's the craft work of big data credit modeling. Why I say a craft work? Because each one person, one model, uh, model developer, they are responsible for their own model, for, from getting the data, preparing the data, to select the variables, and then to output to, and then to finally output the model before deployment. It's all responsible by one person. So you think about this score that it have a, like a national impact, while wow, this is all done by one person, okay? Like because each one there is responsible for one this one model to keep predicting, uh, to to stay predictable, okay? So if you think about model, if you do any modeling or this is quantitative thing, and then 
you, you think that one model can have one singular goal. You can't try to optimize two things in one model. There's only one why. Okay, if you want to... And also, if you want to, for example, score whether this person can be held, for example, you, you can repay, for example, um, whether you will be defaulted in 90 days. This is only one objective. This model can only predict that, whether you will default in 90 days. Okay? You, you couldn't def uh, predict that, whether you will default in 60 days. Do you know what I mean? So this is singular modeling, which means if they need to put like a very advanced model, they need to do a lot of sub-models to support that. Okay? So which means each model only have one singular meaning that's under, in the, like, embedded in that model. So, and then manual data work to operate uh, computational calculation. Cal cal uh, what I mean is that from preparing the data, preparing the data actually every data is uh, linked to your ID number. So think about it, one person, if I want to check you, for example, I need to know your ID number. And then I will need to your ID number to link, for example, your phone number, okay, if that's in public registry, okay, or maybe other things that you, and then from your phone number, perhaps, you have consumption history that's linked because you buy things through your phone, right? And then you kind of compile that kind of data together, and all this compiling work, it's also done by the same person to prepare the data, and then he just basically sit there one day to communicate with the, the computer, okay, to, to, to put together this credit scoring. So I can tell you the finding a little bit what exactly is this. So with a close examination of the engine of the big data credit scoring technology on the side, we observe that it is the continuous, repetitive, pre-prescribed manual labor of developing and updating models that keeps the technology running. Okay, I will explain what I mean by that. Okay. So why is it continuous? As I said, the model needs to be updated all the time. Why is that? Think about now it's 2018, 19, right? 19, sorry, I'm living in the past. So if we are using data from 2015, for example, to try to predict human behavior today, would you think like how predictive that could be? You know what I mean? Like because the day, the more close to the current period, because of all, maybe if you don't believe the the present, that the past can predict the future, that wouldn't have this kind of business, right? But of course, the more close to the present period, the more maybe perhaps predictable or maybe similarity that you can see to in this kind of like uh, a model that can output. It okay. depends on the characteristic, right? Yeah, exactly. And what you choose as a characteristic. But in this case, they have a lot of men, like very mundane things there. Yeah. Okay, so repetitive. <coughs> it's basically the same step, uh, same steps over and over again. Um, for each model, they need, they takes probably like three months to develop it. Okay. You need to train it. Yeah, to train, not, I mean, from yeah, having the data and then train the model. First, feed the, what? Feed clean, the data. Clean the data, data, feed the data, data and train it. And then we've then tested. Evaluate it, and yeah. then test it. Yeah, three, three months. Three yeah, three months. Okay. And, and think about it, just one person that's doing this, this model. So what does this guy do while it's training? 
you know. <laughs> yeah, it, that's that's another side of this thing. They they play games all the time, you know. Mm. So they they are like Google friends, always playing games. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So uh, sorry, do we have supervisors? Because you just say in the lots. Yeah. Because it is the like the metric is totally response to one person. Right. Yeah, exactly. That's also one question. The question that I have when I on the side that looking their work because they they're very quiet, just sitting in front of computer, and then when they try to report back to uh, like how their model is, just basically by looking at some parameters. Mm. Okay. So I was thinking, okay, who who actually know how, what what comes into the data? Okay. So um, later on, we'll show you some data on that. Okay. And. Uh, so yeah, that's what I meant by uh, manual labor because they need to perform codes, calculation, commanded to do human and non-human agents. Okay, I'm going to show you some. Okay, firstly, I'm going to show you what they use. Okay, so how they are preparing the data, what kind of data they have. Uh, they, that's my few notes. Okay, probably it's messy. So they have massive data. Okay, while building models, they do data mining. They do, what, does, what is data mining? Anyone have any clue? Data collection. It's by, uh, it's by breaking down one piece of information, basically, to, to actually digging out the characteristic of that piece of information, okay? For example, they have uh, someone's lending information from the previous 12 months. Okay, this is just one piece of information. Okay, and then they can make out like three variables by putting different data points, uh, like time points. For example, the highest amount of credit in six months and the average amount of credit in six months or three months, etc. Just they just by like deriving, like selecting, all these generating all these variables, like new, like they probably generate like one twelve uh, twelve hundred for one model, and then they input kind of like this kind of like uh, variables and put it into the calculation and then the, the kind of mach the machine actually calculate the, the relevance of the, the, the y, for example, that this is x and then to try to predict y, okay? They, they so, which means they have prepared 1,200 variables. Later on, they select, the, actually the machine run it, the outcome is like, they select the highest, uh, like the top re relevance is like 30 of their variables. Okay, so basically, when they, they try to derive these variables and then they play games and try to weigh the results. <laughs> and, then, and then later on, they also have like the, the standardized procedure to say to how, how they select variables. Okay. So here, here's the example you answer your question. They have, uh, so in the team, there is a supervisor and also there is also the director of the team, the, the, the bureau. Okay? So the supervisor said, I just need to check on the staff at a certain point because we have an established procedure for the modeling tool to follow. They just need to follow the procedure. By that, we can control the quality. Also, even if a new hire come to our uh, bureau in six months, he or she could totally build a model on his or her own. Okay, just like by they have like a standardized procedure of how to do these things because need to control the quality. Okay, by following the, the procedure, they know how to control it. I don't understand what you mean by quality. Yeah, we can control the quality, the quality of the model, or the quality of the work. The work, and also the model as well. Like you, you know, you know what goes in. What, you know what that person has performed. You know so what I mean. What robustness test do they run? 
Yeah, they would run the best test, but like um, KS, KS test. Okay. Yeah, they do that. Can I jump into the previous page? Because I noticed you're talking about the lending data and the income data. Yeah. But are you, are you, are, do they kind of look at the payment data as well? Yeah, they do. They have their own proprietary data as well. Yeah. Okay, so you did mention that, but I assume that that's something you're talking about as well. Yeah, yeah. So this is the lending data, okay? And also they use the lending data. But this is, yeah. So they connect it back to the People's Bank of China's credit bureau's data, so which has like basically your credit history, this kind of, this, this bit of information. Excuse me. On this point, Cars, how do the platforms collect the, the credit reports from individuals' apps? Because so I assume that's kind of very, uh, very private data. Yeah, because they are credit rating agencies, they have the license to do it. That's why I said the, the, the government has selected A companies, so these A companies have the ability, I mean, they have the legitimacy to connect back to, like, select, uh, set up the API to, to, to communicate with the, the, the credit bureau. So they have this bit of information that, that covers the whole, I mean, all the credit applicants in China. Do they need the consent from the individuals? No. Okay, because they are the legal parties that to do that. Okay. <laughs> Exper Experian in the West doesn't need your permission to collect the credit info, right? They just do it. Mm -hmm. Same here. Mm -hmm. So, do they have any kinds of uh, privacy protection policies? Uh, I mean, because this was happening like in the very big, um, so. This, uh, this business happened in a, like in a very, um, I mean, it's a very earlier stage of developing. So they have kind of like uh, like a regulation to say, okay, you can't include which bit of data. But then you know, like China now, like the, the, the data protection is still quite weak at this point. They're trying to work on that. Yeah. But yeah, and then this bit, it's actually re respond back to your point because uh, in, in the regulation, you can't use income to, to include income in your model. Okay, just this, you can't use this as your variable. But then it uses like housing accumulated fund. So this housing accumulated fund is actually related back directly to your income because depending on your income, how much income you earn, you need to pay how much like this, pay how much amount of like the the, the accumulated fund. So it's directly related. So in the data, you you basically can use a bit different thing to predict that thing. So it's kind of like dodgy, isn't it? Can you explain this? So is the idea here just to build a correlation model, or is there some kind of neural network? Okay, so it's actually. Uh, I think neural network. They also use that. Okay, so it's like this. Okay, the credit model. So for credit model, it's like they have the Y and then X. The Y would be like how likely you're gonna sure. default, yeah. right? And then, and they they already have like history data. For example, they use the this bad, let's say like a like a bad sample. You, these people like they are quite. They have defaulting six months, right? And then they connected this pile, this data, and then they kind of select the variable, the X, who what is highly likely to be able to predict this behavior. Sure, but what's the engine you use, right? Do they use a max likelihood model? Yeah. So for each data, they use, for example, uh, logistic regression first, okay. and also they they, they, they they use random forest as well. Okay. So they use also neural network as well. And also they use like uh, there's X, X boost in another one. So they try to see which one is better in predicting. Okay. okay the logistic regression is 
easier to understand, for example, but more for neural network and all these like Vernon Forest, difficult to understand. But they try to see how highly likely that the prediction can be can be enhanced. Okay, but it's more. And then they run that across all people, or do they use for certain people a certain model and for other people another no, model? No, in the training process, they do all these things at the same time. <coughs> but so does every person have the same model, or do different people have different models? So for the five people who ge who generate the general scorecard model, it's for everybody. It's basically a, a, a general. No, but as a borrower, I meant. Yes, exactly. So. Uh, but and then so so, the reason why you have a uh, credit score is just like. So it's a normal distribution, right? Mm -hmm. How likely you're gonna default or how likely you're gonna repay it. And then they kind of like, um, kind of like put a score in this, in this distribution. So, and then they kind of like trans transport that into like a range from 300 to 900. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. But is that sort of 20% logistic model, 20% neural model? <coughs> like how do they, right? So they have five different models. Yeah. How do they add up those five models? No, so this was like in the variable selection process. Mm -hmm. So after the variable se selection, and later on it's the same thing. Basically they select the variables to, this, to fix that, to put that fixation of the variables, and then they use that model to, to, to score the whole population. Okay. Do you know what I mean? It's just like to this neural network, this logistic regression, it's just in the variable selection process. Okay, mm -hmm. and so you okay, so that's the variable selection process. Yes, but exactly. then you also need the actual to come up with your actual, you know, credit score. So what yes. model do they use for that? I mean, that was like the after selection, the, the variable selection. You have the variables, right? Yeah. You, and then after, like how likely that you use the, I mean, just use that model and then to score the y, the probability. You know what I mean? So because. Sure, but you still need a model, right? Yeah, it's, it's still the same thing. So use the same model for variable yeah. selection as for actual score selection. Yes, exactly. Okay. Mm -hmm. okay, so here... Okay, so this is the senior model development because I was there in, for three months and then their model was not doing very well. It was remained the same kind of like KS. So the KS was actually how good your model is to differentiate good borrowers and bad borrowers. That was like a charismatic test to see how the model, how good is the model. So he says like I think if they hire even a primary school student, the primary school student could also do the job because it's just to follow the procedure and then they don't need to know why they're performing like that. Okay. So I would say this is like a, a bit of de-skilling while you're thinking of this. Statisticians, while here, it just like manual work for them. Okay. So here, finding two. So I was seeing that the data composition in big data technology demonstrate a level of sociality, which is embedded in the business and political context of where it's developed. And this sociality later on determines the scope and productivity of the credit scoring model. So what I mean by this. So it's basically... The availability of data is how much data that you can give up, I mean, you have on this, this, this high-tech company, okay? And, and also, I, as I mentioned, this, this group is under the payment section of the company, so they can only have access to the payment data in that high-tech company. So this is because this data barrier, it already exists even inside the organization because of they, they, uh, they actually encourage Compet competition inside the organization. 
Okay, so and then also the data is very messy. They always complain about how, how they can do it. Okay, so I will show you what I mean by this. This is exactly the variable that is select for the general score count model. So you see, this is risk management score. It's the net mass, uh, one of uh, the teams that is uh, responsible for risk management scoring, then they use their model directly. And then this variable is just transaction, okay? Number of months of giving out transactions in the past 12 months. And the number of months since the first month of connecting cards to the account. So how, how much data, like financial data or financial that you, you have on this company and that they use these kind of things to map to this the final variables that selecting the model. And also like number of phone numbers registered. Mm. So these are the variables that the machine learned to say that this is highly uh, correlated and it's useful to predict how likely that you default. Okay? But if you try to make sense of this, what what exactly is this? Why, why, why the phone number registered? So, the the variable is what? How likely you so? It uh, how likely you are? Default in uh, twelve months. Because you, when you have a lot of phone numbers, that means you use each phone number to receive different uh, text messages from different borrowing platforms. You know, so that you have more phones, more phone numbers. You have you have more like uh, opportunities to get different loans from different platforms. So that's why you use it. Okay. It's by more like how secure you are, whether you're gonna like uh, do some trick to actually say like you, I'm, a, I'm, I'm trying to run away from a liability because if one person have like six numbers, as Tom said, you probably try to s you use this number to register one account to borrow and then you use another number to borrow another account. So it's kind of like very dodgy kind of thing. So this is more like I feel like it also shows how how the social network is danced. So assume you only have one phone number, that means everyone has to reach this number to contact you. Mm -hmm. And whereas like if you have like the maximum I think you can have it in China is six numbers or five, mm -hmm. I can't remember exactly. Mm -hmm. Five or six. So that means your social network is more uh, widely spread. Which means like you might have different identities. But think about it, how come this related to your credit score, which means how credit worthiness you have you are, right? But then this is the things that the machine calculated. Okay? But, but when you make the machine, right, it's just a logistic model. Yeah, exactly. Not, but mean, exactly you could do it by hand. Exactly no but but you wouldn't know like you wouldn't but by hand you wouldn't choose this by yourself, right? I mean you could, of course, right? You just I mean it would be a shit tons of work. <laughs> but obviously you can do a logistic model by hand. Yes, you can, but I mean you have so many data. Yeah, it would take a long time. But I mean <laughs> but I, think, I mean you can do it. No, I think the problem is right, generally speaking, right? Yeah. There are machine learning models where you really don't understand what's going on. Yeah, I mean right? I'm, I'm you really do understand, right? No, if it's just a logistic model, you know exactly what's going on, right? I mean, you, you, if you talk about supervised machine learning or unsupervised machine learning, right? For this bit, it's yes, it's supervised machine so, learning. But also, they also do unsupervised machine sure. learning as well in but, other But other then models. I think it's important to differentiate that, right? Mm -hmm. It's not just the machine does it, because sometimes the machine does it in an unsupervised way. I mean, it's not even supervised or unsupervised, it's just mm -hmm. what learning process they actually use. 
right? Yes, exactly. Right, and what the payoff functions are, or, you know, how you how you calibrate the model when mm -hmm. you start running it. Mm -hmm. um, and I think you know we ought to differentiate between that and then just some fairly standard statistical procedures that you put to by hand. Yes, but you know, like um, about this, you can say like. This exactly because I, I want to say it's highly dependent on the data that you have. Mm. Right? Like all modeling, right? Yeah, exactly. That's exactly my point. So that's why I say the sociology mm. of the, the sociality of the, the data already determine what is inside the model. You know what I mean? It's not like there's no human in aspiration of thinking, thinking to make the inference. Okay, how what kind of person that you are to actually to to recruit to to actually decide what kind of variables that you select in the model. Mm. Basically, it's all data and how data how good the data is you have no clue because it's another another set of people who do this kind of thing and you think about what kind of data that you are giving up to these kind of platforms you will know what i mean so i'm i'm not talking about the machine itself i'm talking about the data quality and also highly dependent on the data itself let's mm -hmm. try what I was wondering is, yeah. um, so I find it quite strange that they would find like a few arrivals for the whole population. Yeah, exactly. Where the, where the promise of big data was exactly that you could refine it and break it down to yes. particular population. Yes. That's and why. Like, how does that fit? With? That's why on, on a big scale, and these are the things that it's highly prominent to, to, to determine creditworthiness because. Across the population? Yes, across the population. Because this is more so it's like, like fairly a crude model. Yeah, exactly. It's more like primitive like things that you, you will relate to, like for example, criminal or stuff like that, you know. Because on the scale of big like data, like across the whole country, then people who are likely to re default are those bit of people, like in the bottom. You, you know what I mean? In the bottom of what? I mean the income. social social hierarchy, yeah, income, and also. Okay, so here I want to talk about what I see in the team. So the, the, the development team is performance is inherently measured against achieving certain model evaluation metrics, which results in an incentive to overfit the model. Because you think about how good you are as a model developer, of course it's how good, how predictive your model is. And then how good your model is is dependent on one character, which is called a KS score. That's logic, like Corimus, like test and score. So, and then what they do is they try, they all try to do some things to spec, uh, like to, to raise the KS. And then these are really, they're really concerned about it and say, oh, the KS of my model are around 30, and my media evaluation would be good. It's, it's possible for me to get a three star. And then they say, like, oh, this person say, I, I changed a set of sample, and then my, my KS star goes so high, after adjustment, it can go up to 50. Okay, they're really, he's really excited, but it's all, it, it just, by, it's just a text by uh, saying like this, if, if this model, how good it is to differentiate good borrowers and bad borrowers. Okay, it's basically the score test. Okay, so what is, what do I mean by overfitting the model? Okay, so overfitting the model basically saying I kind of like build my model directly to all these data points. So if by overfitting this, these data points, what would, what would it happen? So normally this black lines the, the normal model. By overfitting the model, it's like this, and then you will have difficulties to predict another set of data. Okay, so it's like an inherent. 
thing. Okay, so what do you learn from me? After one hour. <laughs> so um, Zuboff rendered the logic of the accumulation of data for surveillance has become false fictional commodity as he has coined this concept of surveillance capitalism, data capitalism, and platform capitalism. Okay, they call it like a new kind of a capitalism. While under the economic logic, what is the fuel of this data of, of this this capitalism data? So in this kind of economic logic, who would like to share data with you? Because that's our asset. Okay? But then, the lack of data later on, it will actually bring in bias. Why is that? Why is the lack of data can bring in bias? For example, the, my Alexa at home cannot recognize my voice because I think they use male voice to train the model, to train the voice recognition. Okay. Might also be your accent. Yeah, that's also because they didn't even use my accent, like Chinese accent, to build, to, to build a model. But it's the same thing. Like for example, face recognition, they didn't use like black people to train the, 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 the image. It's also the same, right? So the lack of data can also bring in bias. And think about like on our personal level, we would not like to give out our data. So how come? How good this kind of machine learning? can be predictive. True, and especially that you mentioned about the house accumulated funds, that one, and they use that as a proxy to proxy, yeah. indicate the income, but actually it's, it's not 100%, because a lot of times that you earn a lot, but because you pay little tax, because you want to avoid paying a lot of tax, you pay a bit to your house accumulated funds. So you can't use that to 100% to represent the, uh, your actual income. Mm -hmm. So The data quality. Uh, yeah, exactly. No, exactly. no way to test that as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, so the sociality of the data, why, why is this important? It's basically saying it's all dependent on data. While there's no human actually touch on this model, while purely dependent on the, on, on the data, while, as I say, like, Lot of like re 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 reluctant to share the data. So we argue that it is a continuous manual work that keeps the technology constantly running, adapting, and updating as needed. The industrialization of big data modeling work follows a pre-prescribed procedure in the in the high tech company, while the trust in scientificness of the current modeling procedure turns the model developer into a manual labor force because they all think that it is very scientifically developed. Okay, and the nature of modeling work therefore constrained in an impasse of deploying existing knowledge rather than tinkling and on spot on the spot problem solving that was necessary and looking at the bigger picture of the real life implications. And a lot of some about um, Zuboff's work. I'm not sure I'm going to talk about theory now. I'm going to lose my audience. <laughs> okay, and and then so so I think my my study also <coughs> gives some light on how to organize big data work because now a lot of high tech companies are doing it, but we know so much so little about it. But and also nobody knows how actually to 
to organize this kind of big, big data progress. So we kind of aim to provoke more pristine uh, thinking on how to organize big data scientists' work, which in turn can enhance the model performance and galvanize model accountability. Okay. So the paper challenged the concept of big data quality scoring being inclusive, subjective, ob objective, and comprehensive, and emphasizes the fact that the nuanced details of data collection and the managerial organization modeling work can influence the result. Thank you so much. I hope I have Thank you very much for Thank your talk. You so um, there were a lot of questions already. Are there any more questions? Um, maybe. Yes, please. Uh, looking at the results of the research and just looking about both data collection and data analysis, mm -hmm. I think, but I think many of the points we're talking about the data analysis rather than data collections. Yeah. I'm really interested in how these platforms uh, collect the data from customers and um, what processes, um, and how much is going to expand that in the future? I mean, that actually comes up in a lot of interviews I have with product managers, I think, because they try to design some product for actually for the consumer use, so that when consumer use that product, they're voluntarily giving out the data. That, that by itself also, that process used by using their platform, it's, I'm having your data. Yeah. I mean, for them, it's more about setting up APIs. Okay, who, which, uh, which uh, partners that you work with, and then they, they, they help it. That's also, I mean, what's the sociality in the organization level? Yeah, de determining how good, how good predictive their model is. Yeah. Perhaps you're not looking at the third-party data agencies. Yeah, they do. For example, the phone company. Yeah, they do. Yeah, so, so I would, I'm not sure if that uh, fits to that, but like, so at some point you seem to suggest that the data that they're using is mainly lending data, but then like if they know how many phones you have, then clearly they have all sorts of other data, so like, yeah. could you the, specify the, like sort of how, how broad it is, what they take? Because in China there are three uh, communication carriers, so they can collect, uh, just connect but, it to them, yeah. But do they do, do they do stuff like size of your house as well? You know, like a they don't, don't do that because this one is high tech company. But if it's it's registered in the credit uh, credit history, then that would be. But I don't think they do that. Yeah. Okay, so everything that they find in the credit history, mm. they will then mine. And yeah, sort of exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So one thing I'd be interested: Do they have any data on given past decisions on whether to give somebody credit? Yeah. What percentage of people defaulted? Yeah. So, uh, so I, so I said like they train uh, the updated model every three months. So this is new bits of data that comes back to the model. But think about it: if you are likely to be defaulted, right to default, and I already reject you. No, no. But the idea is you didn't reject me, right? So I got credit. Yeah. If that were you, I didn't reject. Said, yeah. I'm good. Yeah. But I'm very interested. Like how? Six percent. Six percent. Yeah. Okay. It's all right. Yeah. And uh, what do they want to get at? What, what do you mean? Like, what? Be low. what yeah, lower. Lower. <laughs> <laughs> <No. laughs> Three percent, five percent? Right, because I mean, there's, right, particularly yeah. because you talk about risk management, right? Yeah, exactly. There's two risks. There's the risk that somebody who you give money doesn't yeah, repay. Exactly. But there's also you don't give somebody money and you wouldn't repay, therefore you have lower profits. I mean, 
because everyone has a different risk appetite. That's what you're saying, right? So, for example, as a lending company, you have your own risk appetite for how many, like for this, like this percentage. I I can tolerate to be sure. forty, right? But they are just the credit agency. You know what I mean. So I would tell you for this score range from, for example, three hundred to six hundred, it's highly likely it's maybe sixty percentage of that that they can they can default. So it really up to what kind of so different kind of risk appetites. But right, a numerical score doesn't tell you percentages of default, right? So yeah, it's the likely of the event the odds, right? Is it? I mean, I don't know. A FICO score, a FICO score of six hundred doesn't mean you are sixty. No, like they will give you the percentage. Okay, so yeah. they don't do scores; they give actual percentages. They will tell you this. Uh, for example, six hundred would correlate to like how how, how likely the percentage of the percentage of default, default. over what time frame. Uh, to, like so, that's why they build different models. But normally, uh, under like uh, law, it should be twelve months. Okay. Yeah. So you are saying that the scores actually for consumers, so we can look at the scores like Sesame scores. Yeah. But actually, the calculation, the percentage of default, possible default, that's something we review internally. That's yeah. why the customers can see. So it's two steps. One step. You calculate the percentage that inter for internal usage, yeah, exactly. and then they reverse check the score. Then they only show you the score. For example, my Sesame score is seven hundred something. Okay, yeah. And but also for different model, different for different why. That's what I mean. Like you will have different kind of color <coughs> distribution and, and and like yeah, poss possibility of default rates and yeah. Any so if I'm an, a lender, do yeah. I know the pro probability? Because right, the probabilities are more useful than the score. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. exactly. The score is more for us and for yeah, consumers. For, for, for yeah. individuals, yeah. Because they don't want to scare you, you know? Sure. Yeah. So how did you get the percentage as a lender? Did you buy that from this company? With yeah. Company? Or maybe we co-developed the model as well. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Or maybe, yeah. Yeah. You're talking about the consumer lending, but at the same time, there are not only providing companies with loans and credits. Not companies, consumers, like micro lendings. Yeah, yeah. yeah. At the same time, there are different lending procedures. Yeah, some, exactly. Some companies lend to the people. Yeah, some exactly. Companies. Exactly. And do you think your conclusion could be used if uh, we're looking at the company firm level lending? Yes, I can for sure that. Also, I talk to FICO people, ex ex people. They all this this kind of like the same issue that they are dealing with, like the same size of kind of work. Because they can take it to owner of that company. Yeah, anyway, but still, yeah, yeah, but that's individual lending. Exactly, but uh, a lot of banks they do that as well. They have two models. One is for the company history. Another one for the owner. And you know, related personnel, they also do individual as well. Just looking at the results of the research, you're talking about data capitalism and platform capitalism. You mean whether how they organize the data work in, in, in a corporate I think, level? I think this could be a very good conclusion for um, looking at the individual level planning. But if I look at uh, mm -hmm. firm level planning, do you mm -hmm. think the platform capitalism would be used to describe uh, the lending scenario uh, for that sector. Mm, I'm not quite sure your question, what your question is, but are you saying the corporate rating, the corporate credit rating? I think I'm interested in your uh, research and the conclusion specifically. Okay. I'm, saying, I'm just trying to, uh, to ask myself if this conclusion could be 
No, we can have a check maybe afterwards. <laughs> yeah, thank you. There was another question. Yeah, a very good question. Uh, maybe you mentioned in the beginning, which, uh, where did you do your field uh, research? Which company? I can't tell you which company. Yeah, if I tell you, I have to kill you, so far away, keep you safe. <laughs> <laughs> At the end, you talked about um, the impact the managerial organization or the managerial um, decisions. Yes, exactly. How they influenced um, the process. And I was wondering if you could maybe expand on this a bit more because yeah. I mean, you could almost make the argument that they overfit models and then they have to do it again and again and again. If yeah. they wouldn't do that, yeah. the model would probably only take a month instead of three yeah. months to develop. Exactly. Or maybe um, they, they focus on how I mean they evaluate the employees on more of how good the model is in the sense of how good they understand the consumer or maybe the different objective. So basically the um, model that they or what they do is they basically overfit the model and thereby keep themselves employed more or less, but yeah. thereby decrease the quality of the model overall. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. So that's another paper that I'm writing about about stake uh, big stake uh, program while while how do they d d deliver in the technical sense. Yeah. Ask how do you with the big different problems? Like how do you get access to the um, data data system? You, 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 you're asking my SF. Um, how, how do you access these people? How, how do you know? How, how do you? I, I would say by asking the right person at the right time. Can you know what kind of specific company are you getting this status? Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I, if I tell you, I have to kill you. Uh, what, <laughs> kind, what kind of a company? It's so just a high tech company. Yeah. Uh, can you uh, be more specific to what, uh, like, I mean, I already better because uh, like, I think I an anonymized my data in a good way, so that's why you don't know. That's very good. I promise myself. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, when you finish your thesis, you have finished your thesis, or like I'm still in the final process. Of yeah, but when you publish it, yeah. uh, can you still not disclose where the data is from? I mean, it depends, right? But probably, probably no, it should, shouldn't do that. Yeah. I was wondering, like maybe to if you could reflect a little bit on the mm -hmm. on the politics of it, like sort of, uh, do you see that critical? Like, is, is sort of the the thrust of your work mm -hmm. the idea to criticize that it's some technocrats who yeah. get to decide on uh, on like who gets the credit, or yeah. is it are you saying, well, actually, with more data, it's actually it's become fairer? I think like it is more inclusive, or like sort of what's what's your take on this? What's yeah. the what's the political story you're telling? That's why I'm bringing in the sociology, uh, sociality of it because I the data, for example, who have low income when the data fits in the machine, right? And then it would generate a reference saying, okay, these people are highly likely to default because this is reality that the income is lower, right? And then this kind of like, kind of modeling technique, it's actually reinforce this kind of like sociality of that person what they get, he's gonna get. 
it becomes like a trust and a proof later on to kind of like outputting this in inequality later on to enforce like the gap. So you don't think that like better access to payments data allows you to better to, be to I mean, better predict always, uh, credit default? I mean, if you I mean think about, but that 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 that's more about what kind of variables that you, you select. Sure. Yeah. But like if you sort of select the right, so I, I know people, you know, they always tell the story about, well, if we look at the date, you know, we, we know single moms don't get credit from Experian, but like because mm -hmm. we monitor their payments and we know the single mom, she's like so diligent in what she consumes, yeah. we can leverage that data so we yeah. can uh, give her a credit where she normally wouldn't get it. So that's yeah. the story that the yeah, FinTechs were telling yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. And, but you're saying that's not true. I mean, in the... I mean, the way now they are doing it, it reinforces uh, equality, but I'm, I'm very 100% sure that if we grant them data, I mean, I mean, by the ref, uh, I mean, inference that they make, it's highly likely these kind of people, they have lower credit scores, right? But it doesn't mean that it's necessarily true. So, if, so they're trying to experiment this bit to understand what kind of people is th this is, and also they can also give data, so, uh, give credit as well. I'm not sure. Is that them? And, and in terms of data availability, so you are saying that should she actually offer a suggestion to say should we open up more data for those companies to do the algorithm thing? Or I mean, they try to now they use a lot of very complex machine learning stuff to to understand consumer in order to just give them a credit score. And then by understanding that, they, they, they think it's better to, to give more, allocate more trust to this one like single mom, you say. But are you debunking that belief or do you, do you think like, no, it's sort of okay, it's sort of true? You mean the more data bit? Mm -hmm. um, if we can really achieve to that level that the data really free to roam, like we can guarantee the good quality of data. But past, I don't know, like the politics of every, but then it goes back to GDPR, what kind of data can be used, of course, we, we, we would not like that happen, right? So it's always a dilemma, but if you point it into a competitive bit. Right, one thing I mean, that comes on from that we haven't talked about, right? So far you've presented the model if it's a binary decision, right? Default, not default, yeah, yeah. but it's clearly dependent on what amount you borrow, yeah. right? So if you let somebody with an annual income of, I don't know, $1,000, you let them borrow a million dollars, you can be pretty sure they're going to default, right? Yeah, exactly. But if they borrow $10, they're exactly. probably going to pay it back. Yeah, exactly. So how does that flow into the prediction model, right? Amount borrowed versus something else. That, that's exactly my point. You can't use one single model to predict everything because the, the why is always different. So in that case, they, they will work with that company to build a, a model that's specifically in that product, for tailoring for that product. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, just as you just said, this, that kind of uh, you said that you are rediscovering the real estate of the people that don't have so much money. So is there, is this kind of a high tech company that do another attempt to discover more from the minority group? You mean norm for minority group? Uh, like, there are four people, right? Yeah. As you said, you just said you are, these companies are using another metrics to discover, uh, to find out who does the, this person are, and uh, they are trying to build another metrics to evaluate yeah. the, those kind of people. So. Are they going to build another model for four people? 
I mean for lending, yes, but not for the general score car model for the social credit system, yes. Okay, my other question you're talking about um, credit scoring systems today, and your title of your research is the social credit scoring mm -hmm, systems. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. How would you justify that the credit scoring system could be leveraged the social credit scoring system? What's the difference? Yeah, as, as, as I said, like, there are now there are two streams of this. One is the central bank. The central bank now actually saying, okay, we don't want social data into the financial credit scoring bit. But while in the city level, they are still they're still encouraging they use all different bits of data to quantify one citizen score. Yeah, but it's still part of the social credit system because you think about credit. In Chinese, it, it can also it means integrity. That's why they have this like whole bunch bundle for everything to 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 generate a score for citizens. But this, uh, but this is the, I would say the phrase of two thousand eighteen. This is what it is. It happened. Like it as part of the project. Okay, this slide understands. As far as I know, there are different um, departments and government organizations in China, mm. but even with the um, scoring system. Yeah. I think. Yeah. PBOs is one of them. Yeah, exactly. The, uh, national um, Development Re Reform. Reform and Commission Group, yeah, yeah. It's dealing with another. Yeah, um, exactly. Are you, are you going to distinct these two different powers? Or? Uh, yeah, they're actually different, but I won't, because my data comes from this bit, so, so I can't. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And do you think they are the leading organization? on the social credit scoring problem? Mm, I mean, there are conflicts. Actually, they don't know what to do about it. So you, you, you <laughs> a lot in, in my interviews also, they, 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 they don't know how to communicate with each other. But that's why there's like a discrepancy of how they do things. Yeah. So what I was wondering is, um, this is state policy, as you mentioned. Yeah. Um, but what is the role of the state in that organizational process? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I mean, these guys, they're really scared of the state. So it's like, <laughs> like, like a power in between. So they are scared of uh, to uh, being reviewed or being scrutinized. So they always been very prepared to uh, to talk to these kind of people. And when yeah. But is there someone like do you have yeah, the commercial officials side. in the company? No, but they have a department really like that, like they're really okay. responsible for the communication. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Same time, it's how to present your data or research fundings to the regulators in China, because in your in your presentation you mentioned China would like to build a socialist credit scoring system. Mm -hmm. It's not my data. It's it's the. It's, yeah. it's a document, yeah. It's a document, yeah. yeah. And your, data, your results is like this is represent the data capitalism or the platform capitalism. No, 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 no. I'm just saying this, uh, this. This is a how to say. Big, big, this is what Rubov said, and you know this as a, as a state policy. But what happening like with the data bits? It's they try to commodernize it, and they run it as like a, a capitalism of, of driving driving revenue and driving uh, profit. That's what I mean. I'm not saying the same thing. You know what I mean? So it's not your conclusion. I mean, it kind of like saying things in the way that um, if you want to use this to make money, okay, and then there there's a conflict of interest that you would like not to share this kind of like data. Yeah. But in terms of like variables we looked at for the financial side of mm. the social scoring mm. stuff, is there anything that you couldn't do here? 
Yes. Like, it's what kind of data, of the financial data, mm. would not be accessible for a corporation here? Because something like the phone stuff and all that. Yeah, yeah. Income, race, uh, uh, sex, you can't, you can't disclose. So what is where... I mean, there is the whole big data stuff in capitalism, surveillance capitalism, Yeah, right? yeah. Where does that stop and what does essentially add it in the Chinese system? Just purely on the financial side, yeah, yeah. kind of default yeah. analysis, right? Mm -hmm. So what's your question? Like, can you do the same financial default analysis here? Is there no difference between experience and... Yeah, what experience, like what's the difference what experience does mm -hmm. and what you saw is happening in the company you worked with? What are the differences? The difference is more like they're more skeptical about using all these data and also they would think that all these social data does not enhance the productivity of the model that, that much. So experienced people, they actually think that the social data does not really... But I mean, they didn't use any social data, right? They, they use like the transaction, how, how, how you interact with people by anonymize them a little bit, yeah. Okay, so there, that was kind of the question. Social data does feed into that financial yes, model? Yes, yes. But it's more in the payment level of how you trans how you transaction. No, you're with your friends. They will know that it's your friends. Like on the phone, kind of. Stuff yeah. Or yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. okay. So what 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 do they do? I mean, I don't understand. So they look at I don't know number of I don't know phone numbers you have in your phone or like. They they material. look at like for example the average uh, amount of uh, basically little the money that you give your friend. But how do they know? They know because this is their priority data. Okay, so it's internal. Yeah. So it's uh, WeChat Pay for instance, and you can send whatever. But I mean, PayPal knows that about you as well, right? And they use it to figure out to give you PayPal credit. Yeah, you, you, you PayPal do that. Okay, so it, then there is no difference, right? So what he's trying to figure out is there anything special about the Chinese context, or is it just the same that everybody else is doing as well? I mean, here it has more rules. Right, you can't. Okay, because the social does fit in. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's very hard to justify China has less rules. I believe China has many rules. It's I mean, that's why when I talk to them, I say, like, okay, here, if you do these things, it's illegal. But then they, they think that, oh, if this is really illegal, no innovation will happen. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know. It's really, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Thank you.